Hi guys, it's Mike. Um, little thing you should know before listening to this episode. Uh, due to an unknown technical problem, the recording for this app was a little messed up. Uh, specifically, there's an odd noise that's overlaid on the recording. You can still hear our voices clear as day, but the noise might be very distracting to some. We don't know what it was, but we didn't find out about it until the recording was over. Um, the problem hasn't repeated itself in any subsequent recordings we've done, so hopefully it was just a one-time thing. If any of you out there actually know what specifically caused it, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, shoot us an email or message wherever. We'd appreciate the help. If you feel like you can't deal with listening to this episode, we understand. I just felt it'd be a waste to totally scrap it when you can still hear us talking perfectly well. Um, in fact, we've come up with our own explanation for the noise that ties into what we're discussing. Just imagine that Grant Morrison is completing a sigil while we're talking. Don't know what that means? Well, you might just have to listen and find out. I'm not saying you'll regret it, but you probably will regret it. You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. <laughs> I have clinical. You guys are, like, wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> we do a podcast? What the fuck? This is Lumbee Space Prince of you guys. You should totally be listening to Fan Holes Podcast. It's a pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Oh my god, you guys, it's so good. And those guys that are on the show are like so hot. Hey, Fan Holes. What's going on? This is uh, your host, Derek, Derek WC, and I'm joined tonight by two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give us a shout-out, guys? Hey, it's Mike Thunderweed. Hey, it's Tony Chanklaw. I have no witty intro this week. Yeah, no witty intro, but what we do have is tons and tons of blue cupcakes. I'm, I'm surrounded and covered in blue cupcakes on the screen because we're going to be talking about uh, a documentary, and I guess kind of by proxy, maybe a lot of the comic books uh, that this man has written, but we're going to be talking about the documentary Grant Morrison that's titled Talking with Gods. I didn't think it was right for superheroes to be burdened with real-world problems. I, I was more interested in going into their world. I wanted to find out what it was like in there, where the sky was always blue, where everything was primary coloured, where time was represented by boxes, and you could cut between one moment and ten years over the space of a gutter. So again, that's why I always thought my agenda and my project was so different, because I felt that Moore was about bringing, bringing the grit and the grime into superheroes' lives and, and hurting them and kind of messing them up and exposing their futility and their frailty. 
And to me, it's like, I don't want to expose the futility and frailty of one of the last great ideas that we have. Basically, it's it's kind of a nice little puff piece on Grant Morrison. Like, if you're interested in his writing and his work, you know, it kind of delves into a little bit of his growing up and his background. And, you know, it's a lot of interviews with him and, you know, different creative people that have worked with him, whether it's, you know, artists like Frank Quitely or, you know, maybe Karen Berger, who was like his editor over at Vertigo and DC Comics and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's kind of interesting and insightful. You know, it kind of, you know, now I, I guess whenever I read a comic book and I see a cat in it, I'm always going to think of it a little differently than I did before after having watched uh, that documentary. But uh, I guess, you know, me and uh, Mike have both watched the documentary, and I know Tony's probably read some some Grant Morrison comics and stuff like that. So he I did, figured, you know, he did All Star Superman, right? He did do All Star Superman, yeah, and, and that and does. We three, so I got that going. And, for and we three, so both both those things came up in the documentary. I guess uh, uh, both those things came up in the documentary. I guess for like Whedon fans, you know, uh, what's her face who was uh, on Buffy was talking about uh, reading We Three, I think, and you know how it made her cry and all that stuff. A- so. Amber Benson. Yes, yes. So. But it's, um, it's a good comic. I liked it. Yeah, no, I, I, I read it. I mean, I, I, I know what it is. Like, I, you know, I, I found it uh, interesting. But um, what, what did you think of the documentary, Mike? Like, do, is there anything you think of differently now that you've seen it? Or was it just kind of like, you know, I mean, obviously, like, it seems like there's lots of, you're kind of like, oh, man, Morrison was really tripping balls when he wrote certain things <laughs> and stuff like that. So it kind of explains, like, how weird certain things are. But uh, but what about you? Like, what was your kind of take on the whole documentary? Well, I knew he was a space shot, and this, like, pretty much confirmed it, and, like, also, like, like I was kind of appalled that, like, I didn't expect, like, just how much of a space shot he was, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, this is, it's like, I, I was like, like, Mark, like, Bruce Banner and the Avengers, when he sees, like, the turbine of the, of the uh, helicarrier, and I'm like, oh, man, this is much worse, like, <laughs> he, he exceeded your expectations, huh? Yeah, exactly, yeah, was, like, wow. Was it, was it wasn't just the blue cupcake. It was it was the whole cake factory, and there's yeah, millions exactly. of workers like just making tons and tons of blue cupcakes He's all at once. He's a blue cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. Like like I watched it the other night, and then like I was playing Halo with a couple of my friends, and like I was I was just telling like my friend like I was like like he, like uh, Morrison's like explaining about like making like sigils or something oh, whatever like oh, okay. the freaky like occult things he does, and I'm like, did you guys know that if you write like your deepest fondest <laughs> wish on a piece of paper, then remove all like the consonants, and then make a like some kind of weird like satanic symbol with like all the vowels and then masturbate furiously over it like that <laughs> wish will come true <laughs> it's funny though because i'm kind of like well if that's the case i i would have i would have done uh, so many sigils and 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 taking care of so many things i mean clearly like dark knight rises wouldn't have been a horrible movie if i had just uh <laughs> creamed all over my sigil or whatever you know <laughs> Like, oh, and, and I'm really, furiously enough. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, no I mean, because to me, it's like it, it reminds me of like the early days when I was like swapping trade paperbacks with people, and it's like I was I was getting all the Warren Ellis stuff, like Transmetropolitan, and then you know my buddy would give me the Invisible trades, and I just read them and be like, what the fuck did I just read? The the one thing though that I thought. Uh, 
the, was was very true at least was the you know how they had uh, Phil Jimenez because he did all the artwork on Invisibles and how you know he's kind of like well those Matrix guys oh Grant everything you know and and I was <laughs> like I was like yeah that is totally true like because because like I remember reading that the, the only thing that I I don't know if you guys read Invisibles or not but the thing that always disappointed me was I always thought the kid Jack was more like Neo or more like. You know, I, I felt like he got hot rotted, you know, or Rodimus Primed or something, because I was always like, well, I thought Jack should be like the kid who grows up into a man and does all the cool shit in that book. But instead, you know, and, and at the time it was pretty obvious anyway, even when I was reading it, because my buddy was like, oh, yeah, this King Bob, he's he's Grant Morrison, right? You know, and I'm like, really? Like, okay, and so I started looking up pictures of him, and I went, holy shit, like, he does look just like Grant Morrison, like, he's he's like this avatar for, for Morrison, so it's almost like King Mob is like the Wolverine of the book, and, and that kid Jack ends up, you know, being like Cyclops and getting sort of shafted or whatever, what have you. Yeah, I know what Invisibles is, but I did not read it. I was aware of what it was, but I, yeah. No idea. I've never read it. I, I, I have heard, like, the, like, accusations, I guess, that, like, the Matrix, like, totally ripped it off and all that. And it feels like, like, I, I it feels like all those ideas, you know, like the heady stuff, yeah. you know? I really, I, I liked Morrison's, like, what he talks about in the documentary, like, his first, like, reaction to it, where he was like, like, he was like, I watched the Matrix, and, you know, and I was like, oh, man, yeah, these guys get it. Like, you know, this is awesome. Like, they get, they're totally in tune with my ideas. And then he was like, and then a couple days later, I was like, those fucking arseholes, they're making money off my ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I thought it was, you know, I definitely thought it was interesting. I mean, even the whole, like, now it's funny, because I went back and I read a couple things that I didn't read before having seen the documentary. Like, I had never read uh, Flex Mentalo, and I had never read The Filth. Oh, my God, The Filth is like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, imagine the, the punch of the violence in uh, Invincible, but with, like, combined with, like, the, the pace of, like, a Morrison JLA book or something. You know, like, just, it's it's crazy. All, just two words, two words. Gigantic sperm semen, like that, penetrate people's vulvas and shit and kill them to death. Like you think I'm making it up, but that that imagery is in. The, and I turned the page and got to that, and I was like, "What the holy fuck is that?" Like, who was you know, who was the who was who's the artist on the filth? Because he didn't he say something like or he's yeah, like yeah, I get yeah, the... yeah, yeah he talked about I, I forget what his name was um but he he was like oh you know he he you know he gave me the first couple pages and the the poor lady is being lit with lighter fluid you know in her butt and this and that and he's like what did I get myself into like yeah I mean he conveys it like expertly like because you're just like you turn the page and you're just like oh my god what is this crap you know but yeah it's pretty wild it's like i have to draw this <laughs> yeah that's exactly what he was like he was like oh my god what did i agree to like but well, yeah but it, i was just gonna ask good. like is is like do you think there's ever like gonna come to a point where like grant morrison would ever write a book just like quietly you know where it's just like you know like not boring. I mean, I don't want him to, like, give up his style, but, you know, like you guys have said, he's kind of out there. Do you think he would ever just be like, you know, 
I don't know. I, I can't really describe the. Well, the I guess I guess according to him, like all his superhero work is pretty much like him just having fun and writing simple stuff. Basically. Well, but I mean, you can you can sort of see that. I mean, in in a way. I mean, with like, I mean, yeah, okay. Some of the the stuff could be considered heady, I suppose, but it's definitely big. I mean, like the JLA stuff has always been big and falls to the wall and just kind of like, hey, we're having you know big superhero fun and it's not all kind of, you know, what he was talking about where, you know, Alan Moore and different guys came into it and applied, applied all these sort of real world philosophies to superheroes. And it didn't seem like he was totally about that. I mean, at least in, in a lot of his work, I mean, you know, like, I, I guess you could argue like animal man in some ways does have a lot of that per se, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think like JLA, it's like, I never found myself reading JLA and, you know, kind of getting all heady and introspective and stuff. Whereas I suppose if I read like, you know, something like the filth where he was, he was talking about how he was in a weird place in his life and, you know, kind of depressed and, and things weren't exactly going, I don't know. It, re- it reminded me of like certain patches in my life where you had that kind of negative outlook on things. And he, the, what stu- stood out to me was, uh, remember how he talks about in the documentary, how he kept watching the same scene of 2001 over and over again and it was, I think, when Hal's, you know, basically powers down or something. He's basically dying and the universe is being reborn. And I don't know, basically he keyed in on that depressive moment and kind of relived it over and over again because that was his sort of state of mind. And, like, it kind of reminded me of me when I was like that. I always used to watch the uh, the end of Cowboy Bebop, like, over and over and over and over again. You know, like, I just watch like, Spike have his last fight and die and sort of romanticize it in my head or something like that. So, I mean, I guess in some ways, I guess, you know, he, 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 you know, yeah. Okay. So certain things like the sigils and stuff might be kind of space cadetty, but there were certain things in there where I was kind of like, as a, you know, as a creative person, as an artist, I could kind of go, Oh, okay. I could kind of see, you yeah. know, where, where, he, where his head was at at certain He was very uh, insightful like that. I, I really liked the story he had where he was like, uh, when the, like early in the eighties or whatever, when when Alan Moore oh, left DC and they they asked him to like take over Swamp Thing and he was like, oh my god, yeah, like. But then he was like, oh man, I gotta call Alan Moore and like get his blessing and stuff. And Alan I think it was, was I think it was Miracle Man, but yeah. Oh okay, or Miracle Man, yeah. And he was like, Alan Moore was basically, don't you fucking touch my Miracle Man, you know? Like <laughs> no, I like I like he's like just like. Well, I forget how he, he worded it in the letter, but it was something like, he, he, he says something like, Alan Moore said, I don't want to come across as one of these, like, hushed hitmen, but back off, man. Back off. You know, and you're kind of <laughs> yeah. like, whoa, like, yeah. holy shit. Like, what's with oh, these yeah. guys? I'm about to say but, Alan um, Moore, he's always, always even killed anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, because we, we, we overlooked it. I don't want to overlook the guy. The penciler is uh, Chris Weston, who did the film. So he was the guy who was like, when he got the, the first pages in, was freaking out about the stuff, the, the art he had to uh, sort of draw and convey, you know, the kind of wacky, outlandish images. There, there's cr- all kinds of crazy imagery in that book. There's like these these warrior dolphins that like, I mean, it's just, it's it's pretty insane book. But anyway. Well, you know, you, I mean, this is, has nothing to do with a documentary, but um, one of the things I really enjoyed, uh, All-Star Superman, I guess you're right, you know, I mean, when I was saying, can he, like, write a normal book, All-Star Superman was really a love letter to, like, the Silver Age, because Superman was smart again, he wasn't just, like, you know, going punch stuff, because I'm a good guy, 
he actually had like that scientific knowledge and there's like so many Silver Age like references to all this other stuff and like I mean I give the guy credit he's like a true like you know fan of the genre I mean he he does his homework and you know I, I guess that's you know a fair thing to say that like he had fun on All Star Superman and I know some people don't like we were you mentioned earlier uh, Frank Quietly's work but I really I really enjoyed that book I really thought it was really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I know he's not everybody's favorite, but I've always liked him. I mean, I, whether it's like the stuff on New X-Men, I just, I like I said, I just finished reading Flex Mentallo, and, and he did the work on that. But, you know, Quietly's did stuff, you know, whether it's like Batman and Robin or the, the Scottish Connection, like all those books, I, I always enjoyed that. But uh, I think you were going to say something, Mike. I was just going to say, like, usually, like, I, I'm not much of a fan of Frank Quietly's work, but, like... I find myself, like, enjoying it just for the, like, I don't know, like, maybe I've gotten used to it by now, but, like, I feel like the more I, like, I'll start off and I'll be like, oh, I don't really like Frank Whiteley, but by the end of, like, reading, like, say, like, a six-issue arc, I'll be like, I'm glad, like, he, he drew this, basically, like, you know, like, I, I feel like it really worked really well and stuff. Yeah, there was, like, a thing in Wizard. I thought it was really nice. They were they were doing a big write-up for All-Star Superman it was right before it began, and they had this panel where it was Clark... And like I, I like how Frank drew him. He drew him as a big ass farm boy. He didn't hide the fact that Superman is a big ass guy, and so is Clark. He's a big strapping corn fed farm boy. But the way they hit it is like Frank made him kind of hunch his shoulders a little bit, make him seem kind of durr. And like he like you know the way he drew like Clark having his awkward moments. He 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 did that kind of Superman like the first Superman movie and Superman two where Clark would, would make a mistake. He would, like, you know, trip and stumble and, like, knock over a cup of coffee and it would fly into the air. But as he's rolling and, like, correcting himself, he catches the coffee and puts it on the table. <laughs> so he's, like, yeah. he looks like he's incompetent, but he's actually correcting his own mistakes. But he still looks like a bumbling, you know, you know idiot. And it's, like, I like that because it's, like, it keeps the Superman thing where he doesn't want to fuck up stuff. But it also keeps the Clark Kent thing where he has to come off as, like, you know, a ne'er-do-well who, like, you know, is clumsy and awkward and stuff. I thought that was, like, a really cool little touch he added with the art. Yeah, like, I, I always thought he, he very he did a very good job of distinguishing, like, like even, like, drawing, like, different, like, body language and, like, poses for Clark Kent and stuff. And facial, like, like, making his face, like, droopier and stuff. Like, I always thought that was a good, like, he did very nice work on that. It's yeah. weird, like, in the point in the documentary where they're talking about when they first got the idea for All-Star Superman or, like, the germ that, that started the whole thing was, you know, I thought it was weird because he said he was talking to, like, the fan that was dressed up as Superman, and then he started interviewing that fan as Superman, and he responded to him in character and basically, like, I guess listening to him say those things, it's like somehow that... that germinated the idea of, uh, you know, what would eventually become All-Star Superman. I thought that was kind of kind of weird to hear that, you know, like, I was like, oh. Yeah, like, well, I, I heard the story before that, like, that first cover of All-Star Superman with him just, like, sort of sitting and, like, looking back at the reader over his shoulder. Like, I, I, I heard the story before that that was just, like, yeah, some fan that he saw, like, sitting like that in a Superman costume, <laughs> but, like, yeah, that that was a like odd story. I guess it was like him and what, like Mark Wade or someone. Just yeah, sitting around. yeah. I think it was the two of them just hanging out, talking to this guy who was 
uh, in character at a con as Superman or something like that. So. Well, I, that was oh good. No, I was just gonna say that was kind of odd, but like I, it was like I enjoyed listening to like. Like I kept I kept going oh geez usually I think of Grant Morrison as like man he's this big idea man and he comes up with all these ideas but I'm like did he just pilfer all the ideas from like some fan that was like playing along with them or like what you know, like, I don't know. I was just well, I mean, like, it, it does take talent to transfer that into an actual story though. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I guess everybody gets their inspiration from someplace, but it was it, it was kind of interesting to to hear that or whatever. So. Um, again, I haven't seen the documentary, but I'm kind of curious just because of Mike's picture he has on Skype. He has Zorn from uh, uh, Morrison's X-Men run, and I didn't read any of that. Did they bring that up in the documentary? Yeah. I mean, you know, they they had to cover – I mean, it, it's briefly – you know, a lot of his work is, you know, from when he first started, and they talk about how he was even in a band with some friends before he, you know – before he transitioned over to comics completely or whatever, but they, they sort of touch on most of his big works. I mean, they even touch on like, you know, I guess because you know how we were talking about how he had that sort of depressive period. And I guess, you know, I guess new X-Men kind of reflects like he, he was in a happy, you know, fun mode with these big ideas and superheroes at the beginning of it. And he was kind of describing how, by the time he got to the end of new X-Men, he was kind of more in that, depressed state of mind or whatever so like like and and i guess they were kind of describing how it's reflected in that work you know because by the time you get to the end of it you know it's like that weird kind of dystopian future with the mark silvestri drawn issue and all this kind of goofy ass stuff and you know gene gets killed and all this other kind of stuff so i i suppose that's I mean that that's you know it's lightly covered. I mean it's uh, they don't go into great detail or you know any kind of gross uh, you know breakdown of of the entire arc or anything. Oh, yeah, but yeah. but but it's definitely mentioned. I mean it seems like even yeah. I mean they even talked about Final Crisis like and th- that was interesting too because whereas he was thinking you know with comics he was communicating with this great audience of human beings that all loved this idea of the superhero, I guess, with Final Crisis, because I guess this at this point, I guess the Internet was so big, you know, message boards, like immediate feedback, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it sounds like a lot of people just ripped them an asshole, you know, for Final Crisis, which I don't know if it's undeserved or not. I mean, I think a lot of the blame lies on DC Editorial, too, for how yeah, they Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't bad, but I don't think it was all it. him, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, so I, I, I feel bad that he... He kind of took that a little too personally, but then at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, you know, if, I mean, me speaking as a fanboy or whatever, I'm like, if they just hadn't released all his ideas in a more dumbed-down version in in Countdown, let's say, you know, then maybe some of that could have been avoided. Yeah. <clears throat> DC, DC seems to have, like, this uh, hit-or-miss track record with crossovers, is like, they like have like a really great one where you're like, because I, I liked uh, Infinite Crisis. I mean, I thought it was good for what it was. There was some shit that was kind of like, you know, Superboy punching a wall through like you know dimensions and stuff. But I mean, as far as the basic reading, it was pretty enjoyable. Then they do Final Crisis, and I tried to read some of that, but it was just it just got so jumbled and so the fuck is going on? I just like you know, and like I said, I don't I don't blame that on Grant Morrison at all. You know, I still haven't worked up the courage to read Final Crisis. I, I think it's one of those things, like, if you read Final Crisis in and of itself, like, and, and maybe have somebody like me direct you to, like, okay, read the seven issues, 
read Superman Beyond and that's it, then it, you'll probably be like, oh, I don't see what the big deal was about. But I think if you actually were, like, there in the midst of it, like, it's kind of like the difference between somebody, you know, telling you about Vietnam and you actually being in the shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, you were, like, in the shit and you were, like, reading Countdown and getting all excited and then you were reading all the crossovers and you picked up the little side story and this and that and the other thing and then you got to the main series and this is after you just read Death of the New Gods and all this other stuff and Jimmy Olsen just beat up Dark Side as Frog Boy or Turtle Boy or whatever the fuck <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? And, and then you pick it up and you're like, wait, what? Huh? And then Wonder Woman's like a dog lady all of a sudden. And you're just like, ah, you know, and you're freaking out. Like, then then it's a little different. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, for everybody, it's to, to each their own. I mean, I, I remember, like, people just going crazy, like, trying to dissect and analyzing uh, either Final Crisis or Batman R.I.P., you know, like, trying to find all these deep hidden meanings into what they had just read. And I was just kind of like, well, it's interesting to read all that stuff. You know, I, I find like, like I don't really like Batman RIP as a story very much, but I, I will say like, I enjoyed the hell out of going to like message boards and seeing everybody like come up with all these crazy outlandish theories as to, (laughs) you know, what meant what and what symbolized what, like, I always think that's kind of interesting. It's kind of like, I guess, you know, some people, I think it was Justin was asking me about Turn A Gundam and whether it was a good Gundam series to watch. And I said, well, I, I don't know that it's the greatest Gundam series ever, but the the fun I had in it was not so much watching the show, but like reading all those different people's dissection of the show and like, oh, is that supposed to be Hero Yui? Like all old and grown up and another, you know, generation is that supposed to be this and that like i'm speculating this and that you know like and it's like you know the same thing with r.i.p where you know they would speculate all these different things about what grant morrison meant and you know what he was thinking of and i guess the thing that kind of shocked me is if if he was so he, he seemed to be you know how i tell the joke about you know, Russell Crowe and Dustin Hoffman and all that other stuff, you know, and, and Lawrence Olivier and, you know, it's called acting, dear boy, and all that stuff, like, because, you know, Dustin Hoffman is a method actor. It really does seem like in the documentary that Grant Morrison is is a method writer. Like, if he's talking to you about drugs, like, he's probably taken some of those drugs. Like, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. That's, that's what it sounded like. So then you start to wonder, well, if the Joker, like, split his tongue in half and is trying to be the devil serpent and everything you're like oh what else has Grant Morrison done you know (laughs) you know well I I think there's an old line that's like a writer writes what he knows or whatever yeah 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 well it seems like he's gone out of his way to expand his knowledge base (laughs) to to write more kooky ass stuff for (laughs) if he didn't know about it he was going to find out about it (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's what it kind of comes across as that's cool oh yeah I don't have a whole lot of like, I guess, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's one of those things where, like, as you talk about it, you find out you've read all these books by this guy, and you're like, oh, shit, yeah, he wrote that, and I forgot about Justice League, because, like, he was the guy who, like, developed Prometheus, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that was his big, I mean, I'd say JLA is one of his most main, I mean, besides Batman, you know, itself is one of his most mainstream, you know, All-Star Superman, Batman, and JLA are probably the big mainstream books. I mean, I guess New X-Men in its own way is big and mainstream, although, you know, certain, uh, I think longtime X-Men fans, you know, some of them derided it 
you know, and I think if you were in the mood for something fresh and different, like a different take on things, and you were kind of tired of the old hat X-Men stuff, you know, which I'd say, you know, we kind of reveled in when it came back in Messiah Complex, but that's because it had been away for a while. But I think at the time, it was like that stuff was just kind of ad nauseum. You know, you just got through... Uh, you know, what was it like? The, the X-Men fighting the Neo or whatever crap was going on before yeah. that. And it was just, well, you know, everything was like super awful. So, I, at least to me, you know, so that when the new X-Men finally showed up, I was like, finally, there's something, you know, a new take on things that's kind of refreshing and stuff. Yeah, so I, I, he, I he seems to have that, like, kind of uh, effect on people. Because, like, I remember when JLA first came about. Because a lot of the fans have to remember, like, Way back when JLA got re-kickstarted and, like, started up, for years it had been, like, Giffen Demetrius, and, you know, it had been goofy, ha-ha-ha, funny, you know, ha-ha-ha, Booster Gold and, like, you know, Blue Beetle, and there was nothing wrong with it. I love that run. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking shit about that at all. That was one of my favorite comics of all time, but people wanted the big three. They wanted Superman. They wanted Wonder Woman. They wanted Batman. They wanted them all on the, you know, the big team, and, like, you know, it's kind of funny how you're talking about how people gave him shit for Final Crisis, but when he first started JLA, everybody was like, this is how comics should be, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, everybody was really happy to see, you know, not only the big three, but people were talking about, like, the big seven. I mean, it was like, oh, we finally, we have a book where it's, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, like, hey, everybody, you know, everybody's in this book, you know, pretty much, you know, like, so... Uh, it, uh, I, the only thing I, I'll say about it is, is like, I enjoyed that, maybe that first year or so of his JLA a whole bunch. And the, you know, I, I just thought he never really, I don't know, I never really thought he understood the new gods or Orion, or at least I never liked his take on, on how they acted or whatever. Like, if the characters are busy writing themselves and that's how they sound to Morrison, like, I don't like how Orion sounds when he's. I read the first couple, Grant Morrison, I guess, you know. I, I read the first like arc with like where Catwoman's like the secret member and stuff like that. How did he write were they like aloof or kinda of, No, like, I always actual... thought of I always thought like Orion seemed to be the guy gardener of, of Morrison's. Oh, he was like a dick. Yeah, it was like he was just kinda like, Hey big man, I'm gonna go munch on some bad guy's legs or something and <laughs> out of my way. And you smell funny, or you know, I, I I forget exactly like how it went down, but it's just it's just when I read it, I kind of went, well, Orion's not really Guy Gardner. I mean, yeah, he might be brash, and yes, he's a warrior, and and not everybody, uh, not everybody can identify with that kind of archetypical character. Yeah, but I like never, but I I never really thought of him as like you know like Guy Gardner. It, it seemed to me like like Orion was never Guy Gardner in his infancy, which was kind of like a petulant kind of, you know, butt of jokes character. And and it seemed like the Orion in Morrison's JLA was a little bit more like that to me, where he, he was a little more off color. And I just kind of, I don't know if that was just to set him apart from the other characters or what, but I, I just never really grafted onto that interpretation of him. Um, as far as the documentary goes, because now I'm kind of getting interested in, like, wanting to, uh, view it, um, like, is it, like, done in-house by DC, like, oh, here's Grant Morrison, one of our talents, or was it, like, done because somebody thought... Grant no, I, I think, I think this was just, uh, you know, an independent film type thing. I mean, they must have had to pay, you know, some 
some decent or make some kind of arrangement. Maybe it was through Grant Morrison through DC Comics or, or different things. Because it's like, you know, it, it, I was wondering, like, as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, I wonder how much of this, you know, I wonder how many, much artwork and pictures and things they can actually show. You know, and as, as you go through the documentary, certain things are shown and certain things aren't and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of images from, from his... Uh, you know, his work, his, the, you know, his run of, uh, his body of work that he's done for, you know, DC or Marvel or whatever. And, um, you know, so it's, but it's definitely not anything that's promoted by any of those big two companies, you know, it's, it's yeah, its own, not DC or Warner Brothers. Yeah. 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 It's its own thing. So one, one thing that made me laugh was, um, what's, what's, what's his, uh, his, uh, first editor, that woman, Oh, Karen uh, Berger. Yeah. Yeah. When she was, she was like, you know, I remember the first time, like, you know, he showed up at the DC offices, and you know, he's bright young man, very friendly, very affable, full of ideas. And once we could understand what he was saying, you know, those <laughs> ideas were pretty good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Once we figured out his English. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny because I, I watched this on YouTube. I don't know if it's there legally or not, but. Uh, it was there, and it had subtitles, so I was kind of like, oh, well, now I can, you know, I can hear, like, you know, if I can't understand his, like, Scottish, you know, accent, like, there's subtitles, but the subtitles were in Spanish, so <laughs> it wasn't much help. That's funny. No, I, I watched it on Hulu. There's, like, a million advertisements, but it's it's illegal and free, so if you want to check it out, anybody who's listening or Tony, you know, it's on Hulu. Yeah, um, I, I, the uh, random question I have, like, even though, like, yeah, okay, Derek does make fun of the whole blue cupcake thing and, like, how out of the box he can be, like, do, do you guys, like, enjoy being challenged by a writer, though? I mean, like, because, I mean, that's, that's kind of nice. It's like, when I was talking earlier about, like, can he write a normal story, like, where it's just kind of, you know, kinda, not bland, but just kind of, like, by the numbers. It wasn't a discredit to him. I'm not saying, like, can he not do normal work? It was more along the lines of, like, you know, like, is it kind of nice to read a book and be like, oh, I didn't think about that. That's kind of fucking cool, you know? Is, is that, like, something that, like, kind of differentiates him to a point where you expect a Grant Morrison book when you read it? Well, I mean, I I think at this point everybody expects a Grant Morrison comic to be a little thought-provoking. I mean, at least, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think it's one of those things where you're going to have – camps of people kind of like they did over the movie Prometheus. You know, there's always going to be those camps of people that want definitive answers. You know, they want to know who is the fucking black glove. Like, just tell me, is the black glove Thomas Wayne? Is the black glove Dr. Muckety Muckface from issue 155? Dr. Hart or whatever the fuck his name yeah, is. They want is, is the black out. glove, you know, uh, yeah, a blue cupcake that's really Captain America and he crossed over from the Marvel Universe to fuck with fucking Batman. Like, just tell us and then we'll be appeased. But then there's, you know, there's always going to be those people that, you know, like thought-provoking things and they really don't want the questions answered. They just, they just want to have their brain diddled, you know? And those people are the people that love Morrison to death where they just endlessly speculate on things. They go, oh, well, it could be this and it could be that. And what I really think of is my interpretation is this and that and this. And then, you know, Morrison probably gets off on that, but he'll never well, that, answer. That kind of goes back you know? into your own enjoyment of reading, like, other people's dissertations on, like, yeah, the, the board. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's fun. Like, I mean, I, 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 you know, obviously I wouldn't keep reading his work if I didn't get some enjoyment out of it. I mean, you know, so. Yeah, I have a 
Robbie Call. I, I've enjoyed pretty much everything I've read from him. So, I mean, sometimes I'm, yeah, like, I'm kind of like, wait, what? And I have to, like, reread things. But, you know, I, I enjoy that sometimes. Yeah. I, I think he's overhyped sometimes. But I think it's, like, the, the machine, the, like, marketing machine, like, Grant Morrison writes. But nine times out of ten, he usually delivers. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, it is kind of a good idea to hype him for this book, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, there's there's plenty of uh, different titles you can check out from Grant Morrison. I think what we'll try and do is uh, we'll we'll put the movie down, the documentary on the spindle, and then maybe we'll put some of his more you know popular works and stuff like that. So if you're curious about any of that stuff, uh, check out the Amazon spindle that's down below on the blog spot. So, this is really it. Yeah, it looks like. At least you can say you had a good run, a great run. But I guess that'll wrap up our talk on uh, Grant Morrison talking with gods, and then we're going to move on to uh, another topic that we had planned. Um, this was something that uh, Mike had uh, come up with for us to discuss, and it's uh, what are your favorite and worst series finales to a television show? So I guess we're going to discuss some, maybe one of our favorite series finales to a TV show ever, and then maybe on the counterpoint, you know, discuss maybe what one of the worst series finales of a TV show we've ever seen is. Um, I guess I'll just, uh, you know, start with Mike, since he's the one who uh, who basically came up with this whole topic idea to get the ball rolling. So, uh, Mike, uh, why, don't we, why don't we do worst first, so then we can end on a good note with favorites. Um, so tell us what your worst uh, series finale to a TV show is, and then we'll go into what your favorite one is. Well, of course, I wrote down a bunch of them, and, you know, I, I actually, I divided it into three lists. <laughs> uh, I, I have worst, best, and, and debatable. And, and moderate. <laughs> yeah, worst, and best, moderate. mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll, I'll start with worst. Um, I guess, like, I, I actually was surprised that I didn't, like, have many that I just considered to be totally unsatisfying and terrible, but, like, just ones I've been completely, like, just were completely un left, like, completely unsatisfied and, you know, just didn't work for me. I put the X-Files series finale, which I, I thought, like, I, don't, I didn't even, like, I should have probably rewatched it, but I just remember being completely, like, let down by it. Where I don't know, it just like kind of Mulder and Scully kind of end up together at the end, and they're on the run or whatever. And the smoking man is still alive, but then he dies again. And there's a helicopter attack. And yeah, yeah. Say, what, like, somebody get blown up in a cave or some shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, it was the smoking that's the man, cigarette man, right? And he's yeah. like, he looks like a big hippie, and he's got like a long head of hair and no yeah, skin on and or something. Like he gets blown up by a helicopter <laughs> for some reason. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I just remember it being completely like dissatisfying, and like I was like, "What the fuck did I just like watch?" Yeah, but um, I also wrote Smallville because I was I was not that like I really followed the last season of Smallville, but like I, I just remember watching it, and I think I'll just go with what, how Brian described it like way back when we talked about Smallville, where he was like it was a perfect demonstration of everything that was wrong with the show Smallville. <laughs> so you're you're not like you're not you're definitely not the guy who was like yes yes. I'm going to go ahead and give Mike a quick Secret Brothers on that one, because it's not going to be my worst, but they threw everything in the fucking kitchen sink for that finale, and it still didn't fucking work. Yeah, it was, like, I don't know, it's pretty, like, 
the the absolute worst thing I can say is like basically what my feeling about Smallville almost always is is like it always gives me like blue balls basically it's like it gets me re- I'm like oh man he's gonna like fight Darkseid and then he's like oh it's not Darkseid it's just you know it's planet Lionel, pushing it's, time. Yeah, it's, it's it's Lionel Luther with like CGI eyes and like and he just like flies into him once and he blows up that's it you know and yeah it's like oh maybe he's gonna fly to a pod Apocalypse and fight Darkseid. Oh no, he's just gonna push Apocalypse away. Okay, uh, and then like, oh, he's gonna wear the suit. Oh no, he's just gonna be a little CGI dummy from like a million <laughs> miles away. And we're gonna see a little dot with a cape. I was like, oh, son of a bitch, you know. So that that that's pretty much every time I watch Smallville, with a few exceptions, it it, it, it always like it gives me the blue balls, basically. <laughs> from blue cupcakes to blue balls and holes. <laughs> And uh, the the last one I was going to mention for worse, because we don't rag on it enough, I, I put Gundam Seed Destiny as a terrible, oh, terrible awesome. finale. I wasn't, yes. I wasn't even really considering anime at all, but, uh, but yeah, Gundam Seed Destiny is terrible. And you'll, prob- you'll probably see me and Derek rip on it. Uh, probably, oh, I don't know when this is going to air, but... We, we, I think, I think some... by the time this airs... They'll have been able to see it. We, we actually did a sidecast where we kind of rip on that. So cross promotion, you will have totally have seen this by the time this podcast airs. Yes. So those are my worst. Okay. So then let's let's end on a good note with Mike. Uh, Mike, tell us your moderate favorites, and uh, hopefully the list isn't too long. No. Um, okay. Should I start with? Uh, let me do my favorites, and then I'll just go okay. ones that are kind of debatable. Okay. Me. Um. I'd say uh, Batman: Brave and the Bold had like an awesome series finale. Yeah, like, it was like totally like perfect. I thought like it 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 was like within the rules of the show basically, and it still like tied up like things, and it was hilarious. So it, it like, still I, broke the fourth wall like a motherfucker too. Yeah, so I I thought it was it was like a deconstruction of like Batman almost, and like the uh, like a cartoon almost, and like. A, I don't know. I just loved everything about that episode. Um, what else? Oh, uh, what do you call it? Star Trek: The Next Generation had a great series yeah. finale. I thought. I, I don't know if one of you picked it, but like I like. I, I I didn't pick it, but I assumed that all good things would would definitely come up. I mean, you got people like the Nostalgia Critic who are, are always tooting its horn, and and <sighs> there's there's so many you know different fans of the show. I mean, if if there was any Star Trek show that you'd have to point to for, like, best series finale, it would be The Next Generation, no question. I don't know about that. But anyway, go ahead. What, 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 what <laughs> oh, else? Mysterious. I'm all mysterious. What else could there um, be? Um, I was going to say, uh, Angel, I love Angel series finale. Like, I, I, what do you call it? People, like, still rag on it because it's like, well, they don't conclude it, you know? They just, you know... They they they're about to fight and it ends, but uh, like I I really I I thought that was fine because I really thought that was the point of it that like you know it's like it's never gonna end for them like yeah. they're gonna fight until like you know they can't fight anymore and like beyond that but like hey and it, it was like, so good they made a bunch of comics after it 
Exactly. Well, they so, they, they and, had they they got their Butch and Sundance kind of ending, so I, I thought that was yeah. fine. Whether there's a bunch yeah. of comics where they go on or not, you know. That's, and I I really liked like they they took time with every single character on that show in the last episode yeah. to like tie up all their plot ends and all that, and like even characters that I might not like really like favor like Gun and stuff had like really nice like final scenes yeah. and stuff. Like yeah, that, so. yeah, like Wesley dies and it pissed me off. But it was supposed to, and that's the whole point. Yeah, it was. It was a really well done death scene, and like, like they, I know that like Joss Whedon always says, like I kind of asked, like uh, what's his name, Alexis Den- Denisoff. He was like, yeah, okay, should I kill you or not? And you know, the the guy was like, you know what, I think it's better if you kill me, you know. And he was like, okay, well I'm gonna kill you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, well, just use me when you direct Avengers. No, he just <laughs> <laughs> make sure make sure I'm a Chitari uh, spokesperson. <laughs> I'm the Chitari spokesperson, but yeah. So it, Angel, I, I'd say Angel is my number one. Uh, and finally, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Derek, but Cowboy Bebop has a great like last episode ending too. It, it does. It does. I, I I definitely I I feel like I was trying to go with like some some rules and regulations that I self imposed on myself that I'll share with the listeners. But I just I was thinking like, okay, it's a TV series finale. And I, I wasn't thinking of anything like I wasn't going to pick any shows that were prematurely canceled. I wasn't going to pick any shows that were like, you know, for a lack of better word, foreign. You know, I wasn't going to pick any anime or, you know, Japanese shows that I really liked. Like I wasn't going to be like, dude, the ending to like Ultraman Max is the bomb. You know, I wasn't going to do that, <laughs> you know, like like so I was like, OK, like so of the, with those rules in mind and probably like the fact that I wasn't going to pick like Star Trek The Next Generation because I figure everybody thinks that's like the greatest series finale ever in like science fiction. Like I was like, OK, what shows do I really, really love and do I was satisfied? Like, I was really, really content and satisfied with their finales. And and for me, I, I just have one favorite and one honorable mention. And uh, my favorite is Rescue Me. And the series finale was titled Ashes. And, you know, kind of much like what you were describing, like, it, it fits those criteria of a good series finale where it touches on all the characters that you've sort of lived with throughout the show. And, you know, it kind of ends the story on a good note for them and everything and so i i enjoyed it i mean i i love that series uh, a lot and uh and i was definitely satisfied with with how it concluded like sometimes like and we'll get into this when i go into my worst but like sometimes you love a series and you're so let down by how it ends so that that was kind of my criteria for the worst um but my honorable mention would be um uh, an episode, uh, Hello Goodbye, and that's from China Beach. And China Beach ran for like four seasons, and it dealt a lot with, uh, you know, the Vietnam War and the donut dollies and the different doctors and nurses. Like, if you're a fan of, uh, of Star Trek Voyager, you know, Robert Picardo is one of the main characters in the uh, series, and he's also a doctor in that as well, typecasting, I guess, or whatever, but um, <laughs> he's also a doctor in that. Um, and uh, Hello Goodbye, it's like, basically, like, it, it's it's almost ideal for the series, because, you know, they, they all were in Vietnam, and then the, the series finale is them, you know, everybody who lived, basically, you know, 
meeting up again at the Vietnam Memorial for like a reunion and everything like that. And they're all getting interviewed and they're talking to each other. And some of them are seeing each other for the first time in 20 years and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if you like drama and all that kind of stuff, whether it's, you know, Rescue Me or China Beach, like both really good actors, really good scenes, you know, lots of emotional kind of stuff going on with those. So those were my, my picks for favorite series finale. Um, for worst, okay, now my criteria for this is that I couldn't hate the show. So it's not like I'm going to be like, man, ultimate Spider-Man, worst series <laughs> finale ever. Because you know what? I fucking hate that show anyway. So it, it doesn't really make sense. You know, like, so, and, and I wasn't going to pick something like, um, you know, I don't know. I wasn't going to pick something like Spectacular Spider-Man because I was going to be like, oh, man, the series ended and I loved it so much because it was canceled. So, like, I wasn't going to pick anything that was, like, canceled or anything that ended. It had to be something that ended on purpose that I was just majorly, majorly let down by. And the only thing that I could think of, like, that came to mind right away was uh, Made in America, which is the season or the series finale of The Sopranos. And, like, uh, I, I think that's probably for, for a lot of people. I mean, you know. Fade to it, black. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where it, it was a big letdown. I think the series jumped the shark after the third season. And, ironically, uh, my honorable mention is uh, uh, the series, the HBO prison drama Oz, which I also thought jumped the shark after the third season. So it's like I thought they had really good, like, solid the first three seasons of both those shows were really good but the way they ended i just you know i was i i don't know how to really you know talk about it other than i was just let down i mean you know the 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 ending of the sopranos was just a lot of uh you know you talk about blue balls in smallville like the ending of the sopranos was like I, I don't even know if I got a hand job. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened with that. So, yeah, like, um, the head rubbed a little bit, and then nice, you walked out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know what. I, I you, you have to you have to finish the job yourself. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, I don't know. Like, she like showed so. your tits and said, "Bye, nice knowing you." <laughs> yeah, and and I guess on the on the same token, um, the the last episode of Oz is titled um, "Exunt Omnis," which is basically fancy ass stage directions for you know the actors fucking walk the fuck off stage. Um, and it, I don't know, like there, there, you know, there's a lot of shocking things in that series. And, you know, I thought it was a good series for like the first three seasons. Um, like I said, after the fourth season, I thought it kind of jumped the shark and the way it ends is just basically like they, they try to wrap up some character plots and, and, and devices and things like that. But ultimately it's just kind of like they all get on the bus and evacuate the prison. And then, the doofy ass, uh, you know, guy who started the whole project is like, we'll be back. And sadly, as they drive off and it just kind of was like, that's it. Like, okay. Like that was kind of lame, you know? So they get on a bus and go. Yeah. Home. I just, I was just kind of like, okay. Like, whatever. Bye, see you next. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I guess that's with the caveat that I didn't pick shows that I automatically hated. You know, I really, really genuinely loved, Sopranos, you know, I really, really I think that's 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 kind of funny because that's a good like kind of metaphor because there's like um like TV tropes or whatever they call that trope uh, got put on a bus like where they like <laughs> they just kind of write someone off abruptly or yeah, something yeah. basically peace conference their ass or whatever yeah. you know so so that, those those are my picks um I guess we'll we'll move on to uh, uh, 
Mr. Tony Jackson, and I guess I didn't even follow my own uh, my own caveat. So we should start with the worst series finale first, and then we can end off on a good note with your with your favorites. So what's your uh, what's your worst uh, series finale, Tony Jackson? All right, um, I will end on a good note. Uh, actually, I have one uh, front runner and a runner up, a honorable mention. Both of mine are actually not science fiction or action shows, but both these shows really flip and piss me off. Uh, the first one that really pissed me off was Malcolm in the Middle. I was not a huge fan of this show. I had watched it off and on, and it was one of those shows you would watch. But at the same time, I would enjoy it when I watched it. I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. That, that's that, okay, that's amusing. There, there's some humor here. I, you know, kind of got to the point where I don't know if it'd be my favorite show ever, but I realized the humor potential. You know, I, I saw that there was like a reason why this show had fans, and I was like, okay, I can I can deal with this. And I would grow to become more and more fond of it. And then this friggin' season finale, which they actually had word of, so it wasn't cancelled, really pissed me off, because one of the characters in the whole show, she, I, I call it the Peggy Hill Syndrome, where there's a mom in a show, and she's just so fucking unlikable that you want to stab her repeatedly because she's just the worst character ever. Peggy Hill was like that in King of the Hill. That got canceled, so I can't use that. Um, but she's so self-righteous, so like, I, I do everything right, you're all fucking useless, hate you all. All the kids I thought were engaging, I thought they had their own little quirks. The dad I felt bad for, because he was, uh, again, like I said earlier, <laughs> never do well. He was just trying to do the best he could. But the mom was just a raving bitch! And I thought, with a show as weird as Malcolm as the Middle... I was like, okay, they're going to hit her with a fucking car at the end. Are they going to drop a house on her? Are they going to fucking do something to this bitch for like six or seven seasons of constant mental torture? Because she's a horrible mom. I mean, she even like makes her kids feel like shit all the time. Yeah, there's the humor there, but you're waiting for some comeuppance. They're like, please realize that you're a horrible person. And no, 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 she's, she's still horrible. And it was just like, you, you were waiting for that one moment where she's like, I'm not a good person. And no, no, it did not happen. Not at all. Not even an iota. Hey, Tony, did, did you find that one bit in Family Guy cathartic? You know, when, like, she's, they have, like, they cut to an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, and she's, like, you know, yammering and yammering and yammering, and the father just gets up and gets a baseball bat and then, like, hits her over the head, and she's just, he's like, kids, we're free! And they just all walk out and, like, on into the sunset. Like, uh, yeah, I, I actually did like that. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> for free. Like, and, and the funny part was it was Brian Cranston. <laughs> yeah. That's how the show should have ended. Um my my honorable mention cuz it didn't it didn't piss me off and I really like this show. This is a show that I loved and it didn't piss me off but I still think it was a bad ending was Wonder Years where the last uh, episode is it, it basically builds to a kind of convenient plot point where Winnie and uh, Kevin are stuck in a barn or some kind of thing during a rainstorm or a dilapidated house. I don't know. I have no idea. It's been a long time. But like, okay, okay, I'm going to say this right now. These are kids. And I don't want to see anything explicit. This is TV. I don't, I don't want to see them having, you know, sex and stuff. I'm not a pedophile. But at the same time, these are supposed to be two, like, 17-year-old kids 
this must be during the 60s of free love. They've loved each other and liked each other, hated each other throughout the whole series. And Kevin should have scored. It should, it's like, just wake up the next day and be like, you know, like, yeah, me and Winnie did it. But no, he doesn't get the fucking score like the, the hoo-ha. And like, <laughs> it could have been a one-off thing. It could have been just like, we had one night of sex and she went on to marry her, like, you know, college sweetheart. That's fine. It just, I mean, it's just so frustrating because like, you see these, these two characters go up and down, up and down, like where their relationship goes. I just thought it had been a nice, like, you know, like, we had sex. It In the end, it didn't mean anything, but for that one night, you know, I fucking got to see her tits, and I'm happy. I'm a teenager, you know? I mean, that's like, that's what the show is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be, like, the mind of a teenager growing up. And, you know, I was like, okay, sure, it might have been a good idea, but, you know, a little bit of payoff. And then in the end, they show, like, <clears throat> Winnie in the airport, and him with his kids and his family, and, like, her and her kids and their family, and they're like, you know, seeing each other. It's like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I remember you. Yeah, we're just. And I was like, really? That's just, just, uh, whatever. <sighs> just, just frustrating. Um, as far as my favorite, however, I alluded to this earlier. I was being all mysterious. Um, probably one of my favorite endings ever was Deep Space Nine from Star Trek. Uh, I know All Good Things gets much love. Everybody loves All Good Things, and I do too. Don't get me wrong. There's there's no hatred there. There's no like uh, sibling rivalry between Trek shows. But I watched Deep, Deep Space Nine from about season three on. And the first two seasons I watched on and off, and they were kind of spotty, and they were okay. But from three, like three on, I was like a fan. Really great storyline, really great characters, really just well done episodes. And the last one ended on a high note. You saw bad guys get their comeuppance. You saw a huge war ended, and the freaking you know uh, side of the Federation for once instead of them getting their asses kicked. And even then, there was a bittersweet moment where Cisco gets taken by the prophets, and you're not mad about it. You're not sad about it because you're like, he was a chosen one. He was supposed to do this, and they say he's going to be back in a year or whatever. I don't know if there's any further stories about that. There probably is, but like you know, that was a good ending. You know, it was like there had to be a sacrifice, and one of the main characters sacrificing himself. That's never happened in a Trek show. You know, Kirk lived, Picard lived. Jane fucking lived. And <laughs> Well remember, remember Kirk uh did this flippity flop on the flippity thing, so Oh yeah. That, that was that was generation. <laughs> Janeway just like Janeway was just like, Oh, I've been holding this map upside down this whole time. Uh, Shut up a bitch. And then Jacote took takes a baseball bat out and hits her over the head. Where <laughs> everyone we can't go home. We can't go home. that's so good. That's so nice. Um, I will I will give a runner up just because I I thought it was really out of the box. <clears throat> Again, I guess I just grew up with way too many sitcoms. I actually like the ending of the Bob Newhart show. I thought that was actually pretty uh, inspired. Basically, is that the Bob, one is that the one where they they wake up? And it's a dream or something? Yeah, Bob Newhart had two shows. He had the he had the uh I forgot what the name of the first one was. I didn't watch the first one. But he had the Bob Newhart show in the eighties and early nineties and there was this whole thing set into this like uh um uh, New England uh bed and breakfast and he ran it and stuff. He had wacky characters, yada 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 yada. And at the end of the season, at the end of the series, he wakes up next to his wife from the previous show and he was just like, I just had the strangest dream. And I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty fucking clever. 
like, because it ran for like nine or ten seasons. So we had like a ten season dream. Wow. <laughs> And I was like, okay, that probably pissed some people off, but at least at least that gives you an ending. At least it wasn't like a surprise. It wasn't like, you know... It's not like you didn't know it was a dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I give that honorable mention. I, a lot of people got pissed off, but I was like, that's that's pretty fucking clever, you know? That's Bob Newhart's kind of uh, sense of humor. So those, those, that's my uh, two favorites, so... Cool. All right, so, can yeah. I, uh, well, can I... I just want to say my little debatable thing. Oh, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I have... I have these the all three. I just have three of them, and I'm just gonna mention them really quick because they all have like the exact same element to them that makes me like kind of like make Quite them put them in their goodness. yeah their debatability. Where like there's like a, there's one like plot element that you have to overlook that doesn't make any sense for like the episode to work basically. And uh, the first one I want to say is Beast Wars, and. Uh, Basically, I don't. Maybe this shouldn't count as a series finale because it does continue. But you know, we can just kind of ignore Beast Machines if we want. Most people but, do. <laughs> yeah, but like I liked the Beast Wars like se- like series finale. But there there's a lot of like points in it where like I don't know like like I, what I was saying. I like series finales where all the characters get something to do and basically like you know Cheetor and like Silverbolt and Black Arachne and Rat Trap just kind of hung around for that whole last episode. Well, like, Optimus Primal did, like, you know, all the heavy lifting. And, like, of course, you have to overlook the fact that, like, there's no there's no possible way Dinobot should have, like, his previous self's memories or whatever. But, like, you know, it's just the way for them to get out of that situation. So you kind of have to overlook it. Um, then there's... Another one is uh, Justice League Unlimited, which I think I've talked about before, where I, I just kind of felt like, you know, we need something to, f- we need a finale, like, uh, you know, how about Darkseid, you know, it's like, we haven't used him in a while, and he's like a big name and stuff, and, you know, he came back, how did he come back, I don't know, magic, okay, like, moving moving on, and stuff like that, like, I feel like, you know, gotta gloss this over, just so we can, like, make this episode work. Well, and, and, and then, again, it was a... Uh... Uh, instance of Superman nerfing, Superman kicks the shit out of him. Then he gets trapped in energy net. Then Lex Luthor's like, "I'm <laughs> smart. You're done." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then finally, the last one I was gonna say is Buffy. Um, the the element I'd I'd say you have to overlook in Buffy is the fact that like earlier in the season, like, it took her a whole episode to kill, like, one of those uber vamps, and then all of a sudden, like, her and, like, you know, a dozen of the junior slayers can take on, like, a whole army of hundreds of them, like, you know, you just kind of gotta assume that, like, all of a sudden they all became, like, stormtroopers or something, but, you know, like I said, like, even Joss Whedon said, you know, we had to kind of gloss over that just to make, like, you know, the episode work right, but, you know. You know, I was actually gonna include that as one of my worst, <clears throat> but when I thought about it, I didn't remember the finale, and in retrospect, I was like, well, if I can't remember the finale that well, it probably wasn't that bad, so it just happened. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it was, I was, I, it's weird, in that period, like, I think right around there was when, like, Buffy and Deep Space Nine were both ending, like, around that period, and there are things for me that are, were a little disappointing in both those, I think probably because I was so invested in the previous seasons, maybe, you know, where I just, I, I maybe I had, yeah. I had, you know, I had, I had raised my expectations to such a high level that maybe there wasn't any way I could possibly be pleased. I don't know if it's my fault or whatever, but like Buffy and Deep Space Nine, there are things where I'm like, they're not bad, but 
like like you're saying, there's some things that yeah, you kind of have just, problems with them. You know, like I said, all all three of the ones I've mentioned have that. It seems like that same problem, like where it's like there's this one element that you just have to get past if you need the, the episode to work, and like it, whether you can get past it or, or, or not is up to you. But you know, they're, they're all three of them are still pretty enjoyable episodes. But I. I those that like element or that like flaw prevents me from putting them like in my favorites list. So, so that's it. Cool. All right. Well, then I guess we will uh, move on to uh, awesome thing of the week. Um, I guess what I'll do is I'll, I'll start on my uh, Skype list and I'll ask uh, Mr. Tony Jackson if he has anything awesome in his world this week. Uh, mine's pretty going to be pretty simple. <clears throat> it's going to be kind of annoying, though, because I have to wait forever again. Um, at the time of this recording, by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be long done. But the uh, Venture Brothers season finale is coming up this week. Uh, tomorrow, actually, by the time we record this. Great season so far. It has been awesome. Uh, I, don't, I, I think it's okay to give spoilers, since if you haven't seen it by now, you you hey, you have plenty of time. Uh, Dr. Venture get hit by a disco ball. He's maybe dead. I don't think so. I think he's just incapacitated. Sergeant Vatred is going to go on a rampage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Monarch is all up in his, like, you know, hubris about taking down Venture. Hank and Dean are pretty damn well aware of, like, their origins, especially, uh, uh, Dean. He's, he's pretty damn, you know, down with the fact that he was he's been a clone for a while. And most importantly, Dermot came out last episode that he totally knows that he's a venture brother too. So this should be a really good season finale. Again, I'm kinda pissed that I gotta wait so long for the next season, but at the same time the show's so damn good, it's okay. It's it's like one of the only like co- mostly comedy shows that I know that people like like speculate over plot points and stuff like like crazy like oh yeah it, it, they really like like the, the what's his name you know Jackson and Hammer or whatever whatever the two guys the creators uh, like, uh, they really like public and uh, Hammer that's right yeah yeah they they really why did I say Jackson well his name is like, Jackson Public okay yeah I, I was like where did I get that from but <laughs> they they really set stuff up like I I, I was like t- talking to a friend about it like uh, the other night, and he was like pointing stuff out to me that I didn't notice. Like, like stuff. I don't know if this is gonna. Maybe by the time this actually airs, this will be like revealed. But like we were, spe- he was speculating that uh, the guy who showed up, the robot guy that showed up this past episode of uh, Vendata or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's he's the monarch's father because his mouth is the same. Like he has that overbite mm-hmm. and. Um, they they said the monarchs mo, mo, the monarch said his mom and dad died in a plane crash and when that guy like stumbles in after Brock's like taking his like his outer shell and all that he's like honey the plane is going down you know wow, that huh. didn't make that, yeah yeah so like I was like wow that really makes sense so oh and I forgot uh, to throw in this plot point apparently Mrs the monarch is going to be a part of the council so yeah. So like like I said, it's like the only comedy it seems that has like a like a plot and stuff that like secrets that like people like speculate on. Not not, so. not to throw this out there for our earlier topic, but it's kinda like Grant Morrison, it makes you think. <laughs> yeah, it makes it you does, think. It does. Thought provoking comedy from the Venture Brothers. But that's my stuff, so I'm good. Cool, cool. Uh, I guess I'll go real quick. Nothing too long-winded or anything, but uh, I did watch the direct-to-video Justice League uh, 
the Flashpoint paradox. Uh, I know some people were aghast at the violence, but um, <gasps> but I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. Um, I liked the art style. It's directed by the same guy who directed the last two Dark Knight Returns direct-to-videos, so it, the violence and the pace of the action is very, very similar. I thought it was well done. I, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just happy that this is like one of the first directed videos without Bruce Tim's sloppy ass name all over it. But I thought it was good. So, um, <laughs> you know, like go check it out if you get a chance. Um, like we say all the time, by the time this airs, it'll probably have been out for years and years and years. But uh, but it was really good and I enjoyed it. So that's my awesome thing. How about you, Mike? What's up? I should say I enjoyed it too, but I'm I'm probably me and Justin I guess are two of those like wusses that you just mentioned that like thought the violence was a little too. No, no, you guys, you guys are fine. I I complain about violence every once in a while myself. Like I just I thought it worked within this context. You know, it was supposed to be like yeah, I get you. Like I end of the world type thing. So. Okay. Well, in any case, uh, my awesome thing is kind of kind of like a, I guess a like Tony, like an anticipatory thing. But uh, I, I just put a pre-order in at Big Bad Toy Store for Generation Two Masterpiece Sideswipe. So like uh. I'm looking for yeah, like like when they announced Masterpiece Sideswipe, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, he looks cool, but, like, whereas, like, you know, Brian, like, was saying that, like, you know, he loves, like, the Countach, so, like, he loves that car, so that's why, like, he was excited for, like, Masterpiece Sideswipe, but I was kind of like, you know, uh, like, I like the character, but, like, I already have classic Sideswipe, so I don't really need a Masterpiece Sideswipe. So as soon, but as soon as I saw like the the, the variant was going to be like Generation Two sideswipe with like you know the Yanagur like big blocky engine guns and the like the spiky like uh, wheel shoulder pads and the knife and oh, I'm hoping he comes with like a bandolier and stuff like the crazy like. 90s weapons and stuff. I was like, oh, that's awesome. That I have to get. So, like, I, I was really excited for that. Yeah, he even so. has, like, a little bit of neon green on him, too, doesn't he? Yeah, so I can only hope, like, they remolded, like, his face sculpt so he's all, like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, gritty teeth and whatever. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I love that stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, that sounds cool, man. Where where'd you uh, where did you end up ordering it from? Uh, big bad, big okay. bad. Like yeah, it's like eighty bucks now. So I figure by the time it, it's. I don't think it's out. To, like this is something actually that might not be out by the time this this uh, episode airs. Interesting. So Interesting. I think I think like twenty fourteen is like the broadcast date. Okay. So yeah, I, I think they're like going to do a lot more uh, masterpieces before him. Yeah. So. You know, I've left myself plenty of time to, like, cancel it if I, like, suddenly, <laughs> like, need money or whatever, but, you know, I, I might as well reserve it now. Screw cool. you, pile of loot. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. 90 sideswipe. Yeah. Screw you, Linkara. Yep. Generation 2 is awesome. <laughs> yeah, eat a dick. <laughs> uh, awesome. Awesome. All right. So, uh, ending on a positive note, screw Linkara. Generation 2 said, Swipe is rad. Um, if you like listening to Fanhole's podcast, uh, you know, please go ahead and send us some emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If, if you hate our guts and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Go ahead. Send us, some, send, send, us, send us some emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Um, we have a Facebook page. You can like us on there. Uh, we have Twitters if you want to talk to us through the Twitters. We have a Tumblr that has tons and tons of pictures. It should have more pictures pretty soon. 
Um, we're working on some special projects that we can probably put on the Tumblr eventually. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so keep watching any videos, any uh, listening to the podcast and everything. And, of course, we love your feedback. Um, if you've got anything else you'd like to share with us, please do. But until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike Thunderwing. This is Tony Tankball. I don't have a witty outro either. Damn you. <laughs> I'm working on it. Hey. Not, we're not quick of tongue tonight. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Here's my witty outro. I got the dragon.